Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything didn't move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we are back for our first day of live hitting at the NovaCare Complex as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 190. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I am joined by Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell once again here on the show to break down what we saw at Eagles Camp. Training Camp Practice 5 took place this morning. We're going to talk about it right here in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, it was a hot one out there today, guys. It was, uh, I think it was like like, probably like 90 degrees, but it was like no breeze. Ben, you said earlier, like no cloud cover. The real feel had to be over 100 today. It It was good. It was going to be one of the hotter practice sessions of the entire summer. Not a dry heat either. Like it was, it was good. It was was thick. It was sticky out there. It was humid. And the first day of live hitting to the ground, CMAC. Two-hour, 40-minute practice approximately, so the most physical practice, the toughest practice of training camp. You know, it's not just you have the the live hitting, the tackling to the ground. You still have your O-line, D-line, one-on-one sessions going on. So I, overall, just it was the type of practice that I think Doug Pearson had in mind when he got this team back together saying, I've had a full offseason. It's not the shortened offseason yep. like coming off the Super Bowl. We need to get back to these physically tougher practices. This is not going to be the one declaration that I think Dave Spadaro did a great job of making in his observation column yesterday, if you haven't read it. This is not going to be a finesse team. This mm-hmm. is going to be a tough, hard-nosed team. It's a deep team. It's a talented team. They can keep coming at you in waves, but they are going to come after it. And I think today was a great example. Uh, we, we'll get into, obviously, all the you know who shined, the, the highs and lows of it. But I think that the bottom line is it helps set the tone for the type of team that Doug Pearson wants the Eagles to be in 2019. The saying that I've always loved is the best way to get into football shape and the only way to get into football shape is to play football. And that's every aspect of football. And finally, tackling, hitting, going to the ground is all part of the equation. And the only way to really train your body to take those impacts and deliver impacts is to go out there and do it. So this is kind of the first step. I'd imagine the players are going to be a little extra sore tomorrow. A little bit. Just that little extra contact and finishing those plays to the ground. But the only way to train your body and to get into football shape is to start hitting and playing some football. So we had two live sessions today where they went to the ground, and it was move the field session. So you know wherever the, the ball ended up at the end of the play, that's where it picked up on the next one. Uh, we're going to get into those sessions, but and we're also going to get into one-on-ones. We saw some uh, some high-intensity one-on-one sessions as well, and all three of us were split over the, the course of the field to break those down. But first, uh, the, the play of the day in your mind, C-Mac. Ooh. I've got one in mind. Let's see. I know yours. So I will go. I'll go with something different during the team period. Okay. okay. It was it was more of a fluky play. It wasn't a great execution play. It was, I believe it was it was Carson Wentz. Okay. Carson Wentz going throwing the ball in the flat. I believe it was Andrew Sandejo tips the ball up in the air, and right there to get the ball is JJ Arthega Whiteside, who takes the ball and just races down eighty yards. It's the first play of the drill. 
races down for the score, and the entire offensive line, the entire team, every mm. entire team comes down to celebrate the touchdown. And it was one of those plays where it was great to see the rookie making a nice play. Again, a bit of a fluke play, you know, but still, right place, right time, good hustle play. Uh, but it was one of those that just got everyone, got the juice of flow and got everyone going there. So oh, it wasn't the sharpest execution play, but it was one of those big play moments that you take from camp. You say, these these are the plays that liven things up a little bit. So I'll go I with that. I believe that was the first play of the it session. It was the first play, yes. Yeah. And as I thought it was Sendejo as well. And some of these players like to kind of roll their jerseys up. Sendejo's one of them. The other one's... Nate Gary. He was actually oh, Gary. 47, okay. not 42. See, I saw the four. That, that buzzed and out, got his hand on the pass, which was really nice. I didn't see where he came from. Might yeah. have been kind of mugging the A-gap pre-snap. Red went which to his we saw eyes. A lot of, which we saw a lot of today. Got underneath that number two receiver, tipped up right to the number one receiver as the defense kind of pinched on that slot receiver. Arcega Whiteside was right there, and then it was off to the races. Yeah, it was one of those two guys, and I'm sitting on the sideline like, I could do you're watching the ball go the other way, trying to figure out uh, who A lot going of the time when we're sitting on the sidelines of practice is us just trying to assess what we just saw, right. and it's kind of a uh, meeting of the mind saying, oh, he was in coverage, he caught the ball, he was the underneath defender. Yep. So a lot of players, 22 players happening at once. We're on the sideline. You can't see everything. So it's really kind of using each other and what we all well, saw. Well, it's also, like you said, the similarity in body style and the jerseys. Okay? Exactly, yeah. Nate Gary was a safety. So right, even yeah. though he's a linebacker, and Andrew Sedejo is a, a pretty big safety. He and watching practice every day, it's kind of funny the little tips and tricks we pick up on just to identify players, whether True. guys have high socks or an arm sleeve or a crop top and little things like that. Just help us identify. There's a lot of moving parts. There's 90 players out there. Some third, fourth stringers that we're really not used to seeing. Once it gets down to 53, it's much more manageable in our heads. I've got an anecdote for the end of that play okay. that I'm going to share in the practice notes. So there's Ooh, a tease. Go, right. You're not getting that anywhere else. Um, but since we're talking about that session, let's talk about uh, some of the well later in that session. So basically, the way they did this, this was a kind of a, a move the field session, right? So um, basically, the, the, the Doug Peterson rolls the ball out. They start, I believe, from like the twenty yard the line, 20, yeah. and they say, "All right, first and ten, let's go, and let's see how this drive goes." <laughs> if uh, the defense uh, stops them, they they have to punt. They go through, and let's see who can win this series. Uh, so the offense scores in the very first play. Then the twos come out after the series with the twos, and they did punt. The ones come back out, and so the the offense was facing. I want to say it was third and twenty five, third and it was third and really long. Uh, so the defense dropped back into that that sticks coverage that you know where they had a bunch of guys guarding the first down marker, and Carson Wentz unloads a rifle over the underneath defender, un, uh, underneath the safety to Nelson Aguilar for a long catch and run. It was a uh, a really really impressive. Could have throw. been longer. Got tripped up, but. But he also was preening a little bit toward the end and helped Rasul Douglas. Ah, I didn't see that part of it. Close him down. So it could have been could've a, been a longer. longer play. Impressive so. grab from Nelson, who's kind of struggled making some catches in traffic this camp. And that one, there's two defenders right underneath him, and that ball kind of just came right you know, perfect be between throw. the seas there, right into his hands, caught it confidently, got upfield. Maybe a little bit early there on the excitement. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, maybe on a Sunday he'd get in the end zone there. The, it's funny because I feel like we've seen – both sides of Nelson Aguilar in this camp. You mentioned, you know, struggling to catch the ball at times in traffic, but there are times where I feel like the connection between he and Carson 
is outstanding. And a bunch of big plays today. bunch of big plays today in team sessions, the one-on-one wide receiver defensive back drills. A number of times we were like, they're on the same page. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he had a couple focus drops yeah. during the course but of But number practice. 13 stands out on practice. He just moves different than the other yeah. receivers. He's very twitchy. He's explosive. Gets in and out of breaks very quick. Gets off the line in a variety of releases very quickly. Yep. Definitely moves in a different speed than those other receivers. We've obviously seen the development of his NFL career and into the player he is today. He's playing much more confident, quickly out there, and he definitely stands out on the practice field. Uh, my other favorite throw from Carson today came uh, in the first live session. Uh, so you remember the, the sequence of plays in that one was um, you had the sniffed out screen play to start things off. All right, so there's an incomplete pass. And then it was a, a running play. Uh, I want to say Miles Sanders, and he got stopped right at the line of scrimmage. Defense is all excited, right? So they sniff out the screen play on first down. Second down, defense gets a nice run stuff. It was, I think it was Razul and Sandejo in there uh, right at the line of scrimmage. Next play, Carson drops back and hits Miles Sanders on a wheel route perfectly, like drops it right in the bread basket for a, a big game. That was my other uh, big-time throw from Carson. That was a great play, and uh, from Miles Sanders' standpoint, they were just practicing. It was a hot read. Yep. He was a hot read on the play. He flexes out there. Did, and he, talk, did he talk about it after? He talked about it afterwards. Nice. And it's like when you have Vinnie Kerr, you're matched one on one against Vinnie Kerr. That was Kerr, the thing, yep. You give a win. I'm, if you're watching the YouTube video, you're watching me shrug my shoulders. Obviously, you're listening to most of you are listening to the podcast. Yeah, that, that should be a win for Sanders each and every time, but an absolute teardrop it's there. Great throw. Kind of Perfect reminded throw. me of uh, Sproles on Fourth Down, was it last year? Uh, Houston? Yes, I believe so. Mm. Yep. Yeah, no, it was uh, I mean, kind of a was, staple concept yeah, from the Eagles no there, question. running the mesh over the middle field, yeah, flaring out the running like. back, and you see that running back kind of a free release, and I'm not sure who was uh, in coverage yeah, or trailing, tough, yeah. but um, something you see often in the Eagles' offense. All right, well, before we move on, any other uh, takeaways, I guess, from the live sessions? We saw those two live periods today. Any other takeaways overall? Well, we just mentioned Miles Sanders a moment ago, so I figure we should touch on the fact that he also had a touchdown on the ground during the team period as well. And it's great to see how he can be a weapon, not just in the running game in between the tackles, but in the pass game with that deep throw down the sideline on the wheel route that we discussed a few moments earlier. But, you know, Ben, you saw the touchdown on the ground. It was great because... It was one of those tough runs that the entire offensive line felt like they could get behind and help lead them into the end zone. Very conveniently, I just moved to the end zone a couple of plays prior to that, so I had them coming right at me. You uh, knew it was coming in That's the red why. zone there. Just for like some inside baseball, Ben and I are on the sideline, and we and he notices that Daniel Jeremiah is here, so we're like, "All right, we're going to try and get Daniel Jeremiah for the Journey to the Draft podcast." Ben, you want to uh, like mosey over there so you can talk <laughs> over to DJ? So Ben makes his way over. He's parked in the end zone. Just as the offense yeah, yeah. moved its way down into the red zone, so it was a perfect angle for me. But it's one of those plays that the offensive line feels like they scored. And just to see the enthusiasm from Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, just to really pave the way for Miles Sanders, who had no problem trucking through two unblocked defenders as yep. well. He has kind of a mystique around him, like almost like an Alvin Kamara two, two or three years ago with the Saints and that wasn't really well-known coming out of college, kind of left a little bit to be desired on the college football field, but I think he's going to be a stud in the run game and the pass game. Two or three years, might be one of those guys that's really tough to take off the field. Mm. Lane Johnson praised his vision. So he's got yeah. a very nice vision. So that's, and he expects. He big seems like from he has him. the full package, and obviously he was stuck behind Saquon Barkley there for a couple of years at Penn State. Had one really productive year and came out. I just think the sky's the limit with this kid. Whether it's inside, outside, catching the ball, mm. route running, pass protection. I just want more and more out of Miles Sanders, and you know it may not be this year or next year to really be the feature back or to be a three-down back. I don't really know if that exists in the NFL anymore. Mm. 
But I just think he's going to be a star in both phases of the game. I think the sky's the limit. Can I say one guy that flashed uh, for me? And, you know, I think the, the hype train on Josh Sweat has been, like, kicking in a high gear, the, yeah. the second-year defensive end. I want to look at, like, the little things. And the little things, you know, it's tough to always pick up when you're watching live. I will say that it seemed like he was around the ball a lot during um, run plays on those live periods. And he was on top of the or at the bottom of piles uh, in the run games, those little car wrecks in the middle of the field, which can be tough to see. But you know, the other thing that stood out to me, I, I made the point to Ben, couple times in pursuit like you know there might be a screen pass to the perimeter or a quick throw to the flat and he's the guy that's like at a different speed moving to the football which was good to see I liked seeing that because this was a guy that you know wasn't always 100% healthy last year so seeing him really just kind of move at that speed I thought was really good to see so I I, I want to caution everyone as I say this okay because Lane Johnson talked about Josh what okay again after practice and I agree that we should Pipe down on the hype. Right. Let's, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Let's calm down I, a little I, bit. I hope that he's a, a defensive end who contributes to the rotation. Yes. I hope that it's Graham, Curry, and hopefully Barnett works his way back. I hope those are the guys who are doing the majority of the damage. Sweat's a guy who can help provide quality reps. Yeah. Lane Johnson throws out, well, if you look at his measurables at the combine, they'd be comparable to Jadavian Clowney. And it's like, which is true. Which is true. It's like, it's like, as soon as he said, I'm like, oh, here oh, we go. Here we go. Right. Oh, boy. You know, and well, I mean, like, he was the number one, he what? He was the number one DN yes. coming out of high school and yes. all that. Right. And, and Lane's like, oh, he had the knee. Yeah. Outside of that. Right. And it's like, Lane, Lane's like, he was patting himself on the back. He's like, I think I'm a good talent evaluator. <laughs> I think he's going to be Lane's very right. good. <laughs> yeah, I think Lane is a good talent evaluator. But Certainly. Yeah. No, I think with I think with everyone, you know, you just want to again. To me, it's like baby steps, right? Like we could talk about what the ceiling is for some of these young guys, and it's not just Josh Sweat; it's other guys. You gotta you gotta walk before you can run. You gotta crawl before you can walk. You can't just be oh like from you know mid round pick to all pro you know right, right away. Like you gotta you know you gotta pace it a little bit. Exactly. You know I like that you bring up the plays in pursuit. Maybe just hustling down the field yeah. because that's when you really get to see the God given abilities. He's a freak athlete. He's long, has long strides. He moves across the field faster than a lot of players on defense. Yeah. Those are some of the things he just wakes up being gifted with. Yep. Now it's the details, the technique, the pass rush repertoire, the plans, the counter moves that we're slowly starting to see with him rushing the passer mm. that I think everybody's excited about Lane and obviously uh, some of the tackles he's had success against in camp. But there's certain things he just brings to the table waking up in the morning. You really get to see him, just him seeing the ball, going to get the ball, whether that's from backside pursuit or just flowing to the ball carrier down the field. He's a very impressive athlete. Most, most days at training camp, at the end of practice, you can kind of feel, you know what, this was an offensive day or this was a defensive day. And it may have just been the heat, and it may have been the live live hitting for the first time. It felt like more of a defensive day today. Would you, uh, would you guys I agree? I thought the offense was sloppy. Mm-hmm. I thought a lot of drops. I thought the pass protection, for the most part, was solid. There were yeah. times where you saw Carson and Sudfeld, they had time to sit in the pocket mm-hmm. okay, and deliver the ball. But they would deliver the ball, and then it might be a focus drop or something along those lines. There were a lot of moments like that where I said, there's parts about the offense I like today, but I thought it was a very sloppy performance. What do you think? This offense. is also, I think, one of those practices where the offense kind of needs. And I think quietly, offensive coaches want one of these practices oh, early in no camps. question. You're right, yes. It was hot out there today. Your brain is just a little bit slower, you know, operating. And right off the bat, I think they had a false start, a delay of game, and they just poured on the urgency. 
and you could hear the assistant coaches and the position coaches barking, you know, throughout most of the day, getting lined up, getting in and out of the huddle, getting back to the huddle after plays. I think having those kind of clumsy plays early on in practice really told everybody to be on alert here, coaches, players. And it's tough in that heat. It's humid. It's hot. Practice was long today. You really have to keep it kind of together between the ears as well and make sure you're sharp mentally. Uh, one-on-ones. Let's uh, let's dive into what we saw from the one-on-one sessions today. Ben, I want to start with you. Uh, receivers and DBs, uh, what were your thoughts? A couple interesting matchups. You know, uh, there's no pecking order of the receivers and DBs, so some, sometimes you just get some awkward matchups. Sometimes mm. you get a nickel corner against a 6'6 receiver, or you get Malcolm Jenkins against these speedy slot receivers. The safeties didn't have a good day out there. Malcolm and Rodney McLeod got carved up a little bit by some slot receivers they typically don't face against. Right. So it makes them better safeties and better cover safeties on assignments they probably wouldn't have to uh, you know, hold down during the game. And in the same breath, there's some awkward routes. And there's some double moves. And I like to say <laughs> the guys moves. on the sideline, you know, there's a bit of a Rolodex of routes as you're a cover corner. And between five and seven yards, you're thinking slant, hitch, speed out, and suddenly you move into you know, seven, eight, nine, ten yards, and it's square in, dig, corner, post, and you're going through different break points. In one-on-ones, I'm not sure where they come up with these routes. <laughs> I don't know if the receiver is just drawing it to the quarterback. I see some double moves, some awkward uh, break points that I just know corners are a little bit confused with because of that Rolodex of routes. There's really only certain points that receivers are going to break routes at because it's all in timing with the quarterback and their drops and Sometimes I see routes and it's like, you know, cool route, impressive route. I don't know where you would run that in a game or if it even exists in a game or in the playbook. So I need you to run to the stop sign, turn back to the manhole cover, and then make a right for Kinda. the mailbox. And these guys don't have help over the top. They don't have leverage help to the left or to the right. They have underneath help. Mm. There's no pass rush. They're really put in tough positions. One-on-ones, the receivers and the offense should win 75% of the time. Mm. So when I do see a rep like a Rasul Douglas breaking up a back-shouldered Alshon Jeffrey. That's a big-time play against a big-time competition with Wentz throwing the ball. Anytime I see something like that, I put so much more emphasis and appreciation on the defense than the offense completing the passes. The offense should complete those. I thought Alshon should have had that. I thought so, too, and it was well-timed, perfectly thrown, both his mitts on it, and Rasul just kind of came up through the catch point there and broke it up, but I think we see Alshon's strong hands make those grabs most of the time. Impressive rep by Rasul, who seems like he's coming up with big time, uh, big time plays against Alshon every day in practice. Yeah, I see. It seems like every single day you're sitting in the seat and you say, you know, Rasul Douglas interception today, mm-hmm. pass breakup and one on ones. That's been a fun matchup. Him and Just Alshon. watching him come to be an off man guy at West Virginia into this kind of press man corner. It was an interesting transition. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always this smooth, and it was a little clunky here and there. But he's gotten on the field, and you could see the experience, and he's much more confident. And to go up against guys like Alshon. I think it's just making them both better. See What's back, interesting what um, about the safeties, Roddy McLeod, I was just happy that he was out there, period. Yeah, with okay? one-on-ones. He's, yep. still, he's still not doing team period yet. You know, Coming off the knee injury they suffered against Indianapolis last season. So just the fact he's making that next step in his progression, even if it's not pretty right now, just the fact that he's at that next step in his rehab, I think is very encouraging from there. Uh, once I think it was the very first play, we saw Sidney Jones showcasing that recovery speed. Once again, with the Nelson going against Nelson Aguilar, mm. who had a step on him, Carson Wentz a little, a little short. I think he could have left it out there a little more for for Nelly, but 
Sidney Jones did a great job of uh, running up underneath it and being able to break it up at the last second. So mm-hmm. another day where we're seeing that that quality recovery speed from 22. And Sidney did get a good look at Deshaun's speed up close and personal as Deshaun had no problem running right past him. I think Sidney underestimated the speed just a little bit, didn't get his hands on, was kind of pressing with his feet. Deshaun just hesitated and was gone. It was just like you see that easy two, three, four yards of separation in an instant. Pretty impressive, considering you know Sydney's not necessarily a slow corner either. So as all this was going on on the the I guess we would call it what the the west side of the field uh, near the near the main entrance, mm-hmm. uh, I was looking at the running backs and tight ends going up against linebackers and safeties, and they split the one on one session into two uh, two sec- two parts. First, you had uh, routes. So it was one on one in uh, you know in, in coverage, and then it was blitzing. So you got to de- let the defense uh, get after the offense a little bit. So a couple guys that stood out. Uh, Darren Sproles had a couple of really good reps as a route runner and as a pass catcher. We know what he can do uh, in that role. Had a couple of really nice reps here today. Zach Ertz. Um, in both sessions, uh, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher, I thought uh, looked really good. Miles Sanders had uh, one really good route early for a catch and then had a, a really competitive uh, matchup. I'm going to see if I can uh, find it. He had a really good competitive matchup as a pass protector as well uh, against – nope, that's not it. There's it was, so many was, reps that happen. It's I know. Like, I'm, just right, here, like... I'm just jotting down uh, numbers as I'm going here. I'll put it in the notes. But uh, Sanders did have a good route, uh, good rep as a pass protector as well. Kamu, I thought – showed out uh, in that drill. Malcolm Jenkins, I thought, had a couple good reps, both as a blitzer uh, and in coverage. They matched him up on Darren Sproles on one play, tightly covered, um, and was there to, to disrupt, but Sproles came away at the catch. So uh, good competition there uh, in those one-on-ones. Um, all right, any other thoughts here before we uh, before we break for the day? No, I just think it was a fun practice out there. It's great that you know the, uh, the offense isn't shy about sprinkling in a trick play here and there just yeah. to get the crowd going and uh, – won't give too much details on what we saw out there, but you kind of hear <laughs> you just leave the, the, out there, like, the, the, the extra energy like. from the sideline, a couple of oohs and ahs, especially when it Everyone it knows gets, Doug. Doug's known for a trick player, too. It gets completed, yeah. <laughs> and you know there's a lot of interesting players on the offense to kind of sprinkle in and move around. So it's just fun, uh, fun practice. It's not stale out there watching no. the offense and the defense. There's guys that are hungry and eager, and you see big plays on both sides of the ball. It's just a, it's a fun camp. Yeah, I think overall, I think we kind of touched on everything. I thought the offense, not crisp, still some very good throws from Carson Wentz. Yep. Um, it was funny talking to my wife last night. You know, she's following all the coverage. She's been listening to the podcast, and she's like, look, enough with Carson and Deshaun. Is there anything else going on at camp? And Aaron, I'm, like, I'm with you. You know, and that's, that's how you know. She's a diehard, <laughs> diehard Eagles fan, and that's, you know, she has that approach where she's like, all right, I've, I've heard enough Deshaun. Tell me about someone else on the right. roster. And I said, well, the good thing is, knock on whatever, that we're not talking about injuries or things of that, right. that nature. That's sure. the biggest thing is the Eagles seem like they came out today's practice healthy, which yep. was the most important. Well, there's plenty of little nuggets and stuff, so I'm hoping she knows who Deshaun Hall played with at Texas A&M that we dropped on the podcast yesterday. and. It's little things you could quiz her with when you yeah. get home to make sure she's listening. Any any golf references you want? To not throw today, in there, not so. today. Yet we're off the links. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> rough. All right. Well, uh, check out the Journey of the Draft podcast. We teased it earlier. Ben and I caught up with Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. Uh, I would say that interview was up to par uh, for what we would expect. I would say so. There you go. <laughs> Slam dunk. You got rough uh, and yeah. on par. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, um, we caught up with Daniel. We talked all about what he saw today at camp because he was here at practice, but then also uh, a couple things uh, from college football from a scouting standpoint. It might be a fun interview that you might enjoy. So uh, check that out over on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Till then, I think that'll do it. Uh, another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For Chris and Ben, I'm Fran. We'll see you tomorrow.